Have you ever wondered at times where God is in your life? Have you ever wondered, why would God allow me to go through certain situations? Have you ever wondered, if God really loves me, why do I have to go through this? If God was really there for me, God would never let me go through certain situations that I've been through in my life. Have you ever wondered, you know what? God just doesn't make sense. Last Sunday, as we came home from church, I put on the TV and I started watching the news. And that question came to my mind as I watched the news last Sunday. Sometimes God just doesn't make sense. As the news came through of 26 innocent people who had lost their lives, 20 others, I believe, who were injured because a madman marched into a little Baptist church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and opened fire. And as I started to look at the news and hear the events and the reports that were going on, I was just like, this just doesn't make sense. As throughout the week, the reports started coming in a little bit more clear about what happened, that this man went into this church, this innocent church, And he went row by row and he started shooting children and women. And I started thinking, God, why would you let this happen? These people, that morning they got up and they were doing a godly thing. They were going to a sacred place where they were meeting in a sacred gathering and they were bringing worship onto the God of heaven. They were following the command of scripture to gather together in worship. But yet, God, where were you? Where were you when that man decided to start shooting in that little church? And I started asking the question, God, why would you let that happen? It's all very well if it happens in a place where people are just doing their own thing. But these people were in a sacred moment where they were worshiping you and you let them die. And that was the thoughts that were going through my mind and... uh, I'll be honest, I'm not perfect, and I sometimes have these thoughts. God, where are you? God, you just don't make sense at at times. And when those thoughts start coming through, that's when I usually open my Bible and I start to seek comfort in certain passages and scriptures of the Bible. I, I open the Psalms because it seems like the psalmist had even more questions about God than what I did, and I find comfort in the fact that In the Bible, there are questions about God that sometimes do not get answered. Start to open the the Bible to other stories like the, the story of Job, which is a book all about suffering. And still, it explains a lot of things, but still leaves a lot out, but still find comfort in the fact that even though Job went through so much, God was still close to him and God was still monitoring what was going on. I open the Bible to the stories of Joseph or David, or Hezekiah, or Hosea, or Jeremiah, or even John the Baptist who was beheaded because of his faith, and start to find comfort and answers into why does God sometimes let bad things happen to good people. And so this week, as I started just thinking through this event that happened last Sunday, and there's just these questions of God, it just doesn't make sense. 
I felt compelled by the Lord just to open my Bible to John chapter 7. And as I opened my Bible to John chapter 7, suddenly God just started to speak to me. And I really felt that this was a message that I wanted to give to Generation Church. I felt God saying, this is what you should give to Generation Church. See, we, we had all these different things I was going to plan on speaking on up until Christmas. And, uh, and, and I just felt God just say, over the next few weeks, this is what I want you to speak about when God doesn't make any sense at all. And as I opened my Bible to John chapter 7, I didn't necessarily find the answers to why would God let certain things happen. But I did find solace in the fact that oftentimes what we think is best is not always best. And so in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 9, Isaiah the prophet tells us this from a message from God. And he says this, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here God is saying this. He's saying that the way I think is nothing like the way you think. The, the way I go about my business is very different to the way that you go about your business. And what you think is best is not necessarily what I think is best. And what you think is logical isn't always the best course of action. And what God is saying here, he is saying that I am on a, uh, in a different dimension to you. Uh, my sphere of thinking is far beyond your sphere of thinking because the way you think is just with the limitedness of your human mind, but the way I think, God says, is perfect. And so sometimes you cannot be on the safe wavelength as I am. Sometimes things do not make sense. Sometimes you will have questions and you'll never really find the answers because my thoughts are so much higher than yours. My ways are so much higher than your ways. Have you ever felt like in your life, sometimes your life is like this epic suspense movie? You know, you watch this suspense movie and you just don't know what is going to happen next. And you feel like your life is like that. You know, I like to watch movies, but there are times, there are certain movies I do not like to watch with Raquel, my wife. And this is why she likes to give a running commentary on movies. I'm the kind of guy, I'll sit down, I'll keep my mouth shut until the whole movie is over, and then maybe I might talk about it at the end, but I won't say anything. I let the events unfold as they may come, but not Raquel. Raquel likes to forecast what is going to happen in the movie. Suspense movies are the the worst, because from the moment the movie starts, she picks a character and says, they did it, they did it. Sometimes it changes throughout the movie. Oh, no, no, no. No, they did it. But she is certain about who did it. And half the time, I'm just like, be quiet, watch the movie. But she's giving this running commentary of it. So it's kind of annoying at times, to be honest. I love my wife, but watching movies can be kind of annoying at times. A couple of weeks ago, we were watching this TV series. It was a British TV series. Of course, it had to be a British TV series, right? But it was this British TV series called The Suspects. And 
I really enjoyed it. Even though I got the running commentary throughout, the commentary was wrong. And I was like, this is great. Because from the moment we started watching this TV show, I was even joining the commentary and saying, he did it or she did it. And we kept getting it wrong. Because the, the movie or the, the TV show was, was, was made in such a great way that you had no idea at the end of the movie who did it until they revealed it. And this is the words that came out of my wife's mouth after we watched this TV show. And this was it. Well, I didn't expect that. And we didn't expect it because it, it had got us to a place where we just didn't understand what was happening until the very end. And I sometimes feel that my life of faith is a little like that. I feel sometimes I have no idea what God is doing until the end. Sometimes I'm thinking, God, why are we going this path? Why are we going this way? God, you're not making sense at all. And I keep trying to think, well, this is what God's doing. And then God surprises us. And oftentimes I find myself, I didn't expect that. And maybe you're like that in your life. Maybe you have gone through a great time and God has done amazing things. You're like, wow, I didn't expect that. Or maybe you've gone through a really tough time and a hard time. And you think, well, I didn't expect God will allow me to go through that. So using John chapter 7, I want us to take a look today at the way that God thinks. And so we can get a little insight into that God's ways are higher than our ways and how sometimes God thinks compared to how we think. And while I don't think I'm going to answer the question, why would God allow a madman to go into a church and kill 26 people on a Sunday morning? I do hope that I will leave you with some comfort today and faith in the fact that God has a plan and his plan is perfect. So let's open the Bible to John chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles, open to John 7. If not, it will be on the screens. And this is what it says in verse 1. John 7 verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. So John chapter 7 starts with these words. After this, after this. So then when you read the Bible, you think, well, after what? What what happened before that? Well, if we go back into John chapter 6, we start to find out what Jesus was saying after this, or what what John says after this. In John chapter 6, there's two amazing miracles that happen. Jesus multiplies food. Some of you are like, that is the most amazing miracle I could ever imagine. Golden Corral can't even multiply food. That's amazing, right? Or Fogo de Chao can't even like, multiply food. That's more like it, right? So Jesus has the multitudes around him, and there's a little boy with two fish and five loaves, and Jesus, through that, multiplies food and feeds thousands upon thousands of people. Then after that, John 6 tells us that Jesus' disciples were out on the water and then this storm came and and then Jesus wasn't with them. Then suddenly Jesus appears to them walking on water. I don't know if you've ever tried walking on water, but you've probably failed every time. It would take a miracle to be able to walk on water. So Jesus did these two amazing miracles in John chapter 6. 
But it also tells us in John chapter 6 that Jesus started to kind of up his teaching. And and while all these crowds followed him because of the miracles Jesus performed, Jesus' teaching started to get a little bit more severe and a little bit more complex. And Jesus started to say things like this, I am the bread of life. You must eat of me if you want to live. And people were like, what? Jesus, that kind of sounds a little weird and kind of strange. And Jesus started to make these statements that seemed a little harsh and and a way of doing life that people kind of didn't like. And so John chapter 6 tells us that there was a period in Jesus' ministry, in Jesus' life, that many no longer followed Jesus. When they were following him because of his miracles, they started to disappear And the followers of Jesus started to decline and decrease. And so it's through this that John chapter 7 starts happening. And and it's in John chapter 6 we start to see that while most people like the thought of Jesus and the good that Jesus brings, many are unwilling to live their lives where Jesus becomes Lord of their life. And we see it in today's world. People like Jesus, right? People like Jesus. They like the miracles of Jesus. They like the love of Jesus. Everybody love everybody. They like people who have been down and out getting a second chance because that's what Jesus is all about, giving people a second chance. Jesus is all about forgiveness. He's about people who society cast off and he brings back into the fold. And people like that about Jesus. They're, they're like some of the teachings of Jesus that we're to love our neighbor and to love our enemy as well. But yet, so often, when you get into the complexities of Jesus' teaching, you start to find out that some of Jesus' teachings were harsh. Things like, take up your cross and follow me. And people were like, I don't want to take up a cross, I don't want to die. Jesus once said to, 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 to a young man whose father has died, he says, he says, leave your father. He says, come and follow me and let the dead bury the dead. And the young man was like, what? Leave my father? But Jesus had some harsh things to say. Jesus basically said that to make him Lord of your life. And a lot of people, they, they like the good Jesus, but they don't like the complexity of Jesus. They don't like the teachings of Jesus. That's why some people, they are good with John 3.16, where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Yes, we love that. And we'll stick to that. But I don't want to grow deep in my faith because I don't want to change who I am. And that's what happened with the people who followed Jesus. Now, we are told in John chapter 6 that all these events took place near an event called Passover. Passover was one of three big events that happened in the Jewish calendar. There was Passover, there was the Festival of Pentecost, and the Festival of Shelters. What Passover was, Passover was the the, the celebration. Uh, It was a celebration from years and years ago when when the people of Israel were in Egypt and Moses was was trying to get the people of of Israel out of Egypt. And God gave all these plagues into Egypt to try to, 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 to make Pharaoh allow Moses to take the people out of Egypt. And one night, God sent a plague called the plague, the angel of death. And the angel of death came over Egypt and killed every firstborn. But the people of God, they took a perfect lamb 
and they killed the lamb and they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on their doorsteps. And when the angel of death came over their house and, they, and the angel of death saw the lamb's blood, it would pass over the house and death would not come to that house. As a result, the people were allowed to leave Egypt and they were taken out of slavery into freedom. And so Passover is this big celebration that they celebrated. And it was basically a celebration that God has not given death, but God has given life. And, and, and that we're no longer in slavery, but we are in freedom because of what God did. And so there's this big celebration. And so in John 6, there's this big celebration of Passover. So it was after this that John 7 took place. So then it says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. And they plotting his death because of some of the things that Jesus said, some of the hard things Jesus said. He was claiming to be the Messiah. He was claiming to be the chosen one. And, and they thought it was a blasphemy against God. And so they were plotting his death. And then verse 2 says this. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Remember, there's three big events, big, big, three big celebrations. Passover, the festival of Pentecost, and the festival of shelters. Now we get an idea of how long after this, after the miracles, after the mass turning away from Jesus, that John chapter 7 takes place. For the festival of shelters is about to take place. The time difference between Passover and the festival of shelters was around about six months. So it's saying about six months after this. Let's put it in context for for us in our lives. Passover is very similar to Easter for us time-wise. The festival of shelters is very similar to Thanksgiving for us. That kind of timeline, that difference. The Festival of Shelters was a celebration for when the people of Israel were in the desert, in the wilderness. They lived in, in tents, and God provided for them every day. And the Festival of Shelters was a celebration for the harvest and the crops, and that God had provided and God had kept them safe throughout all these years, very similar to our Thanksgiving celebration. So there had been six months. Six months where the Bible doesn't record anything that happened in Jesus' life. Six months of nothing. Six months of no recorded miracles. Six months of no teaching from Jesus at all. See, when I read the Bible and read the gospel, sometimes I think it's just day after day. Jesus is just walking around and he's a miracle machine. You know, people are coming to him and it's miracles every day. It's these wise, wonderful revelations of God every single day. But here we see six months between miracles and nothing. Six months between revelation of God and nothing. And it shows us that even the disciples who walked with Jesus were friends of Jesus, who were taught by Jesus. There were probably days that Jesus was silent. There were days that Jesus even questioned, that that they even questioned Jesus. There were days that they probably doubted Jesus. There were days that they probably sat face to face with Jesus, 
but they couldn't access the supernatural Jesus. They sat face to face with Jesus, and Jesus in some times may have seemed more human than he did God. And maybe you're in that place right now in your life where God has been silent. Maybe you're in that place right now in your life where you have not seen the supernatural Jesus. Maybe you're in that place in your life where, where there is silence. And you're thinking, God, what are you doing? God, are you even there? Are you hearing my prayers? Are, are, are you even listening to me? Do you even care about me? And there's this silence. And what you are going through, you're going through a Passover to Festival of Shelters experience. Where God is silent. Let me tell you, just because you don't get goosebumps every time you walk into church does not mean that God has left the building. And there's people, they will chase after church, after church, after church, just trying to chase after the goosebumps experience. And and if you've never experienced it, it's kind of weird, but you're in worship and suddenly the hair's on the back of your shoulders... Like, I may have more than some of you, but, you know, the hairs on the back of your shoulders, they stand up. And it's like, whoa, God is here. And then the next week you get to church and you're like, I can't wait for that experience where the goosebumps come again. And it's suddenly like, whoa, is God even here? It's like Elvis has left the building. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to another church where I feel the goosebumps. And that's what some people do. Because they're chasing the miracles of Jesus. They're chasing the supernatural part of Jesus. But just because you don't get goosebumps every time you walk into church does not mean God has left the building. Just because it has been a while since you have last seen God significantly working in your life does not mean that God is not working. And some of us, we want God to be working every single day. And we want to see it every single day. But just because you don't see it does not mean that God is not working. What you may be going through is a Passover to Festival of Shelters period. Let's continue reading. It says this in John 7 verse 3. And Jesus said to his brothers, he says, leave here and, and start and G- the fest, sorry, let me start again. In John 7, verse 2, it says, But soon it was time for the festival of shelters. Then verse 3, And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. So his brothers came up with this wonderful idea. Hey, Jesus, you've been a little too quiet. You've been a little silent. Your followers are getting a little restless. It's time for you to go to this festival where there's going to be tons of people and show yourself and show the miracles that you can do. Sometimes we forget that Jesus had family. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, didn't stop at Jesus. After Jesus, she had a family. And Jesus' brothers were around. But what I find amazing is that the Bible tells us that Jesus' brothers didn't even believe in him. Jesus' brothers didn't even believe in him. This does not make sense. Because this is what I think. If my friends and my family who do not know Jesus, if they just saw the miracles of Jesus, they would believe in Jesus. 
If they just heard the revelations of Jesus, they would believe in Jesus. But yet Jesus' brothers who were with him every single day growing up saw all the miracles of Jesus, saw all the revelations and the teachings of Jesus. The Bible says that they still did not believe in him. Let me tell you, just because someone knows you does not necessarily mean they see the risen Jesus in you. It is up to you to reveal it to them. See, we have this concept in Christianity, in our 21st century Christianity. I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. They will see Jesus in me. But this is the bad news about that theory. People are not looking for Jesus. People are looking for contentment. People are looking to be happy, but they're not necessarily looking for Jesus. So they may look at you and think, oh, there may be something different about you. You may be content. You may be happy. You you, you may have a good marriage or you may have a, a good family structure, but they're not seeing Jesus in you. They're just seeing something different about you. It is up to you who have Jesus within you to start to reveal Jesus to other people. And Jesus' brothers... They were with Jesus, but they still didn't believe. But they had this great plan. They had heard the words of Jesus. They saw the miracles of Jesus. They knew Jesus was something special. He, he wasn't your average Joe. He was somebody that, 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 that was a little different. And so they had this amazing idea. They had seen the crowds that Jesus had generated with his miracles. So the obvious solution for them was this. Jesus, you need to expose yourself to more crowds. The miracles were the crowd pleaser. They were the party trick that that brought everybody in and brought the crowds in. So Jesus, you need to expose yourself a little bit more, do some more miracles. And this is where we as humans get into trouble. Because it seemed like such an obvious plan, right? If we want the message of Jesus to be spread, then we need more crowds. We need to show the miracles of Jesus to more crowds. And this is our problem because often we think that for something to become better, it needs to become bigger. And that was not the case with Jesus. So often we we think for something to become more influential, it needs to become more widespread. And this was not the case with Jesus. We think in order for people to believe, it needs to be more mind-blowing. And this was not necessarily the case with Jesus. And this is what some of us think. If I just get married, I'm going to be happy. And we think, if I can just have that baby and have that sweet baby in my arms, I will be content. And this is what we think, if I could just get rich, right? If I could just have a little bit more money, if I don't have to worry every month about paying the bills, then life is going to be so much easier. We think, if I could just get a new job, I will go back to the person I really am, not the person this job is making me to be. We think if my family could just get along, then the holidays would be so much more joyful. We think if I lose weight, I will feel so much better about myself 
And I will be so much more motivated to become a better person. We think, if I just had more friends or more authentic friends, then I would be happy. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong in what we're thinking because many of those things we think, yes, that would be it. That would be the answer to our problems in life. But the problem is, our plans are not God's plans. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our ways are not God's thoughts because God's ways are higher than our ways. And we're so limited in our thinking and we think these things can bring happiness and contentment to our lives. And this is the thing Jesus' brothers, they thought, if you just expose yourself to more crowds, then more people are going to hear your message. But let's hear what Jesus said. John 7, verse 7. Sorry, John 7, verse 6. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on, I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. Jesus' brothers had a great marketing plan for Jesus. But Jesus knew one thing, my time had not yet come. The plan that God has, now is not the time for me to be revealed to everybody. When I was 21, I'd been through a really hard time in my life. And God had done this awesome thing in me. And I just had this renewed, uh, this re- renewed faith. And, and, and I was what we call on fire for God. And God had called me to become a minister of the gospel. And so at 21, I'm on fire for God. I want the world to see Jesus. I want Christians to come back to Jesus. And, 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 and I'm in this place where I'm just like, okay, God, now is my time. Now is my time. And so I just graduated from college. I'd spent three months just traveling a little. And I came back to reality, back to home. And this is what I knew was the plan of God for me. If I just get a job in a church, my time will be there. And so I sat down and I started to pray. God, I just need a job in a church. I need to be a youth pastor at a church, like not just a little old church, but a good church, you know? And I'm like, if if, if you just open this door, I will not let you down. And and I had this fire and this energy. And for three months, every single day, I got on my knees and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed God would open a door so I could work in a church. Remember, I just graduated from college. Then one day, a very wise man, who I respect dearly, said to me, Alex, when God called Peter, what was Peter doing? He said, Peter was fishing. He goes, yeah. He said, when God called David, what was David doing? And he said, I said, he was looking after his father's sheep. He was working as a shepherd. He goes, yes. He said, when God called Paul what was Paul doing I said he was doing bad things but he was on a mission and doing a job for for the authorities and he says yes exactly he says in all these instances they were working so he said he says God very rarely calls you out of nothing 
It says, God calls you when you least expect it. He says, what I'm telling you, go get a job. <laughs> it was the best piece of advice I've ever had. It hit me, convicted me. I went out and got a job the next week. And the rest is history. For it was out of that that God started to mold me and God started to chase me. And God exposed me to people who were so far from God. People who, 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 who just worked in order to provide for their family, but they had no purpose in life for God at all. And the result was this. I was not ready at 21 to do what God has called me to do now. And so often we want what we want. And we want it now, but what we want and what we should do often are two totally different things. And as you mature in your faith, you start to realize that God's plan is often very different to your plan. You discover that God's plan, while often painful and does not make sense at times, is the best plan. The reason it does not make any sense is because we can only see what is directly in front of us. But the great thing about God is this. God can see around the corner. And in your life right now, God sees what is around the corner. And you may think, God, I need this. I need to go this direction. But God is saying, no, if you go that direction, I see what's around the corner. It's going to end in hurt. It's going to end in hardship. And Jesus knew something his brothers did not know. Jesus had to overcome the temptation of short-term pleasure and short-term fame in order to make sure his life purpose remained. And that was to become the savior of humanity through giving of his life. And the time for Jesus was at the next Passover. His time was not at the festival of shelters. His time was at the next Passover. And Jesus had to restrain himself to say no. God's plan is the time has not yet come. And in your life right now, you may be asking, God, why? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening in my life? Why are things not going on as I, as I want? Why, why haven't I found the person that I've always dreamed of? Well, why haven't I had the baby? Why, God, do I not have a new job? Why am I broke every single week? And why are my kids draining my wallet even more every single week? You may be asking, God, why do I have to work with these people? Why do I have to have this such long commute every single day? You may be asking, God, why are things breaking in my house? Or why can't I have a new house? Why is my car breaking down and I just want a nice car to get me from A to B? You may be thinking, why are these people betrayed me? Or why is my family not getting along? Or why do I not have more friends and I just want more friends? And God is saying, because the time has not come yet. The time has not come yet because you may be at the festival of shelters, but your time is at Passover. And the story continues. Jesus actually did go to the festival of shelters. But he didn't do it in the way that his brothers wanted him to do. And he snuck in and nobody noticed. Then at the right time, he revealed himself and he started to teach even more. And you may be saying about your life right now, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, what direction am I supposed to go in? God, why do these things keep on happening? 
God, why do you not make any sense? And while I really don't have good answers to those questions this morning, and while I don't have answers to why God would allow a madman to go into a church and shoot and kill 26 innocent people who were just worshiping God, I am able to tell you this this morning, that God has a plan, and it is a perfect plan. It may not make any sense right now. It may not seem logical, but this I know that God loves you. God cares about you. God is directing you in the paths of righteousness, and one day it will all make sense. This is what I know about those 26 people who died in Sutherland Springs, Texas last Sunday. This is not their home. And, and, and people are, are in turmoil and people are mourning right now. But this is what I know about those 26 people. This is not their home. Heaven is their home. And right now they are home. And, and this is what I know about God's plan for you. That God's plan ultimately is that you will end up and you will go home. You will be heaven bound and you will be home. But until that moment comes, until that day comes when God calls you home, until then, keep trusting, keep walking, keep hoping, and keep believing. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just before we close out this service today, some of you, you've been going through some situations in your life, and you may have been asking the same questions that I asked last Sunday when I watched the news. God, why? Doesn't make any sense. God, what are you doing? God, are you even listening? Maybe some of you are saying, God, do you even care? Do you even love me? Are you even there? And this is what I've come to tell you today. Is that you will never understand God. For his thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. They are at a level that you will never be able to think of. His ways are far beyond your ways. He can see things that you cannot see. But I know this, that his plan is perfect. His plan is good. His plan is for sure. And the plan ultimately is this, is that he has taken you on a pilgrimage. He has taken you on a journey. And that journey ends with a heavenward call. When one day he's going to call you home. And that day everything will make sense. And you will say, well, I didn't expect that. But it will be a good I didn't expect that. Because heaven will be so much greater, so much better, so much more amazing than what you could ever think of but right now while you are on this pilgrimage on this journey through life I believe God wants to tell you to keep trusting to keep working to keep walking 
to keep hoping and keep believing.